Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Things in Scripture that you can really say that about. You know, there, there are themes, of course, and major themes that, that you can study and you learn, and, and these themes are cohesive, and they bring the Old Testament and the New Testament together. They're pretty much critical in our theological understanding of Christ, who he is, why he came. But there are many, many truths, what you might even call principles in Scripture, that are just really critical to our understanding of how we function and grow in our relationship with God. Because, see, salvation, it's wonderful. It's, it's what it's all about. It's about God restoring us back to a relationship with him. But then how do we walk this out? How do we make this thing work? That is what, of course, all, all of our questions are. You know, we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to be discipled. We want to be challenged. And the thing of it is, is culture has a way of just pressing in upon biblical truth. Generation after generation, the things that we are taught, the things that that a, 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 a culture will begin to exhibit as being something that is common, that is understood. And so it's kind of like we go through our trunk of beliefs and we say, well, that, that's kind of old-fashioned, and we toss it out, not realizing. It's pretty critical. I've done that. Have you done that? You find a little piece of something. It's like, man, that doesn't look like it's worth anything. You toss it out. Yeah, well, you just threw away a major piece you know, you know what I'm saying, Lee? You throw away a major thing that helps with a tool or that holds something together, and you're just like, oh, man, I threw away a critical piece to something to very, and it essentially makes what you have worthless, or you got to go out and buy another one. And so in our lives, we do that. We, we, sometimes we throw away critical pieces of biblical theology, of doctrine, not realizing it's pretty important to the function of our lives function of how we think, function in our relationships. And so one of these truths today I want to jump into, and I, I tell you what, I've given you two full pages, so I'm going to be brutal today. I'm so sorry. But you came today, so you're going to get it. And, uh, but I'm, so I'm going to do my best to get it all through, all right? So I want to talk about biblical authority and why it is so critical to our understanding. It really hinges, and, and it connects so many things in our life. So... <clears throat> I talk about it being a secret, and it really shouldn't be, but it is one of those things that as a young man, I, I, I learned and it, it kind of laid in life. But So one of the secrets to success is embracing this, what I call a teaching in biblical authority. And so we, we, all of us have this built-in desire to govern ourselves, to be our own boss, to be free spirits. Where did that come from? Where did that come? Because we're all kind of hardwired for that. Well, you can find it right there in the Garden of Eden. Didn't God say to Adam, now go, the garden is yours. Now go and and, and be fruitful. Be multiplied. Multiply. Do whatever you want in the context of what I've given. But then he said, you know, don't touch the tree, right? So he gave him essentially some directives. But for the most part, he said, look, you're, you're, this is yours. And so we're all, it, it's hardwired in us to have a sense of ownership of this earth, of our own destiny, so to speak. But ultimately, it's always bound to our understanding of honoring God through all of it. 
Adam always understanding that the garden was given to him by God, and he was taking care of it for God. It was, that even though it was given to him, it was always that understanding that this is God's garden. And so we're created to honor God initially. But something, of course, got broken. And, and so there was a curse. We all know that. I'm not going to re-preach you know, something that, 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 that we all know and I've, I've preached before. But you know, it says the Christian is no longer uh, under law. I, I made a mistake here. That's supposed to be Galatians 3, 13 and 14. So you can write that in. Not under the curse of the law, but the flaw, this flaw of rebellion, because see, that's what happened. When Adam and Eve bit into the fruit, in, in violation of God's directive, thus was born rebellion in the hearts of mankind. Started in their hearts. So you have this desire to honor the creator, but also now this broken thing inside us to rebel against the creator. And it is this, this, this strain, this virus of rebellion that we're all born into. Okay? But we know we're not under the curse as Christians, but I will tell you this, and we can all, I think we can all just say that this is true, that even though we've given our lives to Christ, even though we know we're going to heaven, even though we know we have the grace of God that's powerfully working in, in, in us, this, this streak of rebellion is still there. And, and it, it, it manifests itself in so many different ways, but it's there. We, we question authority. We question God sometimes. Why? And we press him. And, we, and so even as much as we would like to think that we love God and we're committed to God and he is the Lord, which means what? I mean, complete surrender, right? We still question him, which is that seed, that root of rebellion. And so the scripture has, of course, a solution for that, but we have to acknowledge it first. And so it, it resides in us stubbornly. And, of course, only through Christ you know, can we break free of that. You know, I remind uh, of a story that I've told several times, and I'm just going to say it very quickly. But when I was a young boy, you know, we all learn, you know, to listen. And we all, there, there are times that we do something after we've been told not to do it, that we have this stark reality. And this was an experience in my life that I'll never forget. So my mom and dad, you know, we were living in St. Louis, Michigan at the time. It was in the spring, or maybe it was late, late summer. It probably was late summer, knowing when, when, arbors and grapes and all that come in up there. And so we discovered this grape arbor. Oh, man, it was beautiful. It just wasn't ours. And we were, of course, we were just like little ragamuffins running around during the summertime, never wearing shoes, you know, just running and coming in and going. And I, I'm still frightful at the thought of, of some of the things that we did. And, but anyway, so we were going, <clears throat> we we're looking at that grape arbor and we we're just staring at it, man. Oh, man, we're so wanting to eat that. And the guy that lived there he was watching. And so he'd get out that door and don't you dare come out near my... I mean, you know, he warned us, he threatened us, he was going to do all kinds of stuff. But man, we were just those kind of kids, right? We're just waiting for the right moment, like, you know, like rabid dogs. And so we did. One of those days, Greg, my brother and I, we got into that arbor. Man, we ate and ate and ate those grapes. We hit them hard. And so like one whole late evening. So we went home that night, and you know, we didn't tell anybody, because I remember my mom and dad said, I've got a couple of calls from that, that, that guy down there, and he said, you guys stay out of his grapes. And we're looking at each other like, okay, knowing that we've already hit him pretty hard. Well, that night we went to get bed, and Greg and I used to sleep in the same bed. 
in a double bed, and that's because we had seven kids in the family. That's the way it worked out, you know. Matter of fact, we even got up to three stacked in there at one point. And uh, so we're sleeping. <clears throat> we wake up in the morning, and I'm thinking, man, something's wrong as you're coming up and you're waking up. And we realized the whole bed was just full of nastiness. And we realized that all of those grapes had come through us in the middle of the night. And those grapes were everywhere in our bed. I call, the name of the story is called The Grapes of Wrath. And that's exactly what it came down to, man. <laughs> and I'll never forget that our greed, our rebellion, and all of that, our warning, and there was no hiding it after that. Because mom comes upstairs, what in dear God is going on? You know, and it was just like, how are you going to explain that away? You guys got into the grapes, didn't you? Yes, ma'am. So be sure your sin will find you out. And in that way, it was pretty scary. But let me tell you, that's the way it works. You know, rebellion and doing things, and, and that's kind of in the heart. We're hardwired for it. You know, we're gonna, we see those grapes. We see what we want, and yet we're going to push past what people tell us to do. They warn us, and yet there often comes a consequence to our rebellion. Saul learned this the hard way. Samuel told him, he said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? So in other words, that you do all these religious things just to appease me, but deep down inside, you're not really obeying me and obeying my voice, my specific directives for you. He says, and so he's questioning him. He says, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed the, fat of, to heed the voice of God is better than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of divination and insubordination as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the lord he has also rejected you from being king so you notice that saul who was selected to be king he got into this role he looked the part smelled the part he he was the man that got anointed for the job but his character got quickly exposed that he really wasn't a man who was going to follow god and samuel of course you, you can read the whole story there but so samuel recognizes, sees, sees that spirit of God rises up inside him. He prophesies that over Saul. Say, Saul, you can't be king and not listen to the voice of God and obey him. And so he was essentially stripped of his kingship, took many, many years for that to finally be completely taken from him. But from that day forward, the kingship was a torment to him, not of joy in any way, shape, or form. Knowing that any day it could be taken from him. And so what we find here is that when we rebel against God, it does bring a consequence. And so there is this idea of loving God, following God, knowing God, but God says, look, I'm going to draw you into my presence and I want to teach you, I want to show you my ways. And yet culture and so many Christians get caught up in, 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 in really, again, just kind of taking and cutting out whole sections of the Bible saying, well, this doesn't apply to me, this doesn't apply to me. This has nothing to do with how biblical you look or how Christian you look. This has nothing to do with how religious you act or how you go through the motions. Really, what I'm after here and what I personally am so much interested in, you know, for my family, for my own life, is will I experience the favor and the blessing of God? So when I'm not just 
doing religious things or not just worshiping or reading the Bible, going to church. What does the rest of my life really look like? Am I walking in God's favor? Am I experiencing blessing? Am I improving? Am I, without hardly doing anything, people see, wow, man, you are blessed. That's a pretty cool thing. That's what God is interested in doing, by the way. But there is this tendency in us to rebel. Because of this seed of rebellion, Christians, we must give our understanding of biblical authority a special attention as it affects everything we do and ultimately our relationship with God. And this, that's why I call this the most powerful truth because I really believe that if we as Christians can get a hold of understanding biblical authority, it's going to affect every area of our lives. So here are some of the scenarios. Where, how does biblical authority affect us? Where, where does it apply? Well, it begins with the very first authorities God gives us, our parents. And this is verified, of course, in the Old Testament, you know, in the Ten Commandments, right? Honor your father and mother, right? Been reaffirmed there in Ephesians chapter 6 that it might go well with you and enjoy a long life on the earth. There is, there is a blessing right out of the box, right out of the womb, waiting for every single human being to honor the one that birthed you, to honor the father who, who, who brought life to you. And God is saying you need to honor them. You need to respect them. They are authority. They're the first authorities you're going to see. And so that is a place that that biblical authority needs to be applied, understood, walked in. Of course, government, the law, we'll get into that. Our workplace, where we'll see authority, where somebody we are placed, uh, an authority is placed over us, how we respond. Because, see, you know, one of the things that, that, that I really definitely learned as a young man, as a Christian, is, and I didn't see a lot of this you know, because of my relationship with my dad. My dad didn't really teach me. There was a lot of innate things, but he, he, he did it very imperfectly, as most fathers do. But where I really, I got to admit, where I really learned the, the, the power of authority were coaches in my life. And I'll never forget the first time that something really changed in me. Because I thought, as a lot of young people do, well, you're just an old guy in my way. Just an old guy in my way i got to endure you until I become my own man. So I'm sitting there in a football practice, and the, my coach, because I was a, on the JV team, my coach says, go over to the varsity coach and get a helmet from him. He's got an extra helmet for one of the guys on the team. So he chose me. I'm like, okay. So I run across, I sprint across the field and, and run right up to the, the, the coach, and I say, coach says I'm supposed to get a helmet from you. He looked at me like he was going to kill me. He said, son, he, saw, he says, you call me sir or I'm going to rip your head off. Or he said something to that effect. And I remember I was just like, uh, uh, yeah. And now you may think that inside me I would have reacted to that or maybe I would have done that. Well, they, let me just tell you who this guy was. I ended up naming a stadium after him. He was so respected and so loved in this community. But I remember inside me that it, for the first in my life, I realized that I was somewhat shamed that I didn't, I didn't recognize him. I didn't honor him. I, I, and, and so it was something inside of me that broke, and, and that was it. From then on out, any man that I saw that it was even, if he could have been a day older than me, if he was in any sense of charge, I was going to call him sir. And from that day forward, didn't matter who he was, didn't matter where he was, I remember, man, I, my, one of my first jobs there at Chi-Chi's, uh, there was a one-eyed stumbling, I think he had a, I think he had a false leg, 
a guy who was in charge of the kitchen, and he'd come dragging around. And I remember the first thing I said to him when he said, hey, you, get over there and clean that something. I said, yes, sir. The rest of the guys went, ooh, Mr. Brown, no. I mean, all that kind of stuff. But I knew the power and the value of respecting authority. And since those days, I've learned how powerful that is. And so let's get into this a little deeper because I know I'm going to step on a lot of toes in here today. And I think that's what God wants to do. Because in these days and times, right now, authority is being questioned. Authority. I mean, we're all wondering. Everything's being kind of tossed around. What is the, does the Bible say anything about all that? Oh, it does. Tons. So let's do it. So what does the Bible say? Well, obviously in the family. You find in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's, it says, you know, first is Christ. Then there's the husband. Then there is the wife. There's a created order in marriage. It's very biblical, very strong, very established. When that's, when that's superseded or changed, or mis- it's, it's like a puzzle that's put together wrongly, and you say, and everybody said, well, it's, now it's modern art. Yeah, but it's, can we just be honest? It's ugly. It doesn't look like ever or in any way, shape, or form what God intended. Sorry. It just doesn't. Bible. Uh, children to parents. For Ephesians chapter 6. It just quoted that verse. Children, we're to honor our parents, to listen to them, to obey them. It said there in, uh, it says there in 1 Corinthians 11, but I want you to, you to realize that the head of every man of, is Christ, and the head of, of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. And if you flip over to Romans chapter 13, you read this. Let everyone be subjected or subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Did you get that? And, and that really challenges people. Oh, man, that really ticks off a lot of people. Man, we want to just tear things down. Because we all get to the point where we just say, I don't like the authority I've been given. You been there? I have. I got saved at 17 years old, and my dad wasn't a believer. And I realized I was going to need to listen to him. A lost man? Oh, that doesn't make sense at all. I should rise up and say, no, look, hey, 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 pops, why don't you just sit down? Sit down. I'm a believer now. I'm a Christian. I've got illumination. You got nothing. You're going to hell. And you may be my dad, but here's the thing I learned, that as my dad began to open his mouth up, even as lost as he was, wisdom continued to come out. And I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. You're not even a believer. What was interesting, as I continued to honor my dad and fought through, and I, was, I had to be pastored through it, as I began to, re- to continue to honor him, do you know as a result of that, I ended up leading my dad to Christ? Because he saw what real Christianity was doing to me. Rather than creating this, this whole idea that Christianity is just a bad thing. And look what it, I mean, matter of fact, my dad heard that I didn't want to play football as a career and that I wanted to go into ministry. He was going to take me to a psychiatrist. You've heard me tell you that story before. And I remember I looked at him and I just wept and I said, Dad, God has spoken to me and God changed his heart. He changed his heart. And, and, and I know you guys think these things are ridiculous, but you better follow me. You better listen to what I'm telling you. Let's keep going on the verse I just read. Except that which God has established, God gave my father to me. 
It wasn't a random act. It wasn't a, a messed up situation. God gave him to me. Bad, good, ugly, indifferent. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Paul says it twice. Verse 2, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. It makes you wonder how many times do people, do couples, do, do you know, uh, Christians even experience difficulty in their life because they just don't know how to honor authority because they think all they have to do is just honor God and sidestep the ones that God places in their life to teach them character. There's not a perfect, perfect authority on this planet ever. But it's interesting how God can still speak through them. I was shocked at the wisdom that came out of my dad, and I'm scratching my head. Even up until his last breath a year ago. And the people that God continued to put in front of my life, bosses, teachers, uh, people that are over me, you say, well, that's good for you to say, Pastor David, because you're 53 years old and, you know, you're past all. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I've got a lot of people that I answer to. Three different pastors that I answer to. I've got an eldership board who are there and called and there to keep an eye on me, to make sure doctrinally I'm staying on track, morally uh, pure life, you know? People in my life that I, I, I'm subjected to, God has placed there. And that's not always easy, by the way. It's not easy when somebody tells us no or they, they, they may question our motive or they want to get in and dig a little deeper into what is going on. And, and, and I'll cover how we deal with that here in a second, if I can get it done. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror. Oh, this is a good verse. Verse 3. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. But for those who do wrong... Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. There's a lot of talk about this right now, isn't there? Mm. It's tough. But we can't just throw out this verse. We can't just ignore it. Christian, God is trying to speak to us. Now, when I'm driving down the road, and I'm going 85 and a 45, and I see a blue light flashing in my, my, my rearview mirror, fear takes me. You all know what the feeling is. <laughs> and the Bible tells us here that, excuse me, that there's a reason for that. You don't want to have that terror? Build the speed limit. And we've all done that going past a cop that's been sitting there parked. And I'm going to speed limit, and I'm like, yeah, baby. I'm good. Oh, yeah. Look, so you can, you can apply this. You can apply this. I'm not going to get into any more than that. I know what's going on in our culture. We all know what's going on in this culture. Do we not? But I'm giving you some Bible, and I want you to pray about it. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. For those who do wrong are the ones who, who receive the terror. Do you want to be free from the fear of one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. Not only by the authority... By God in heaven. Ah. How about the workplace? Colossians 3 talks about, it says, obey your overseers. Gets into that. You know, 
I mean, a lot of times people are shocked when the boss comes in and says, hey, you know, uh, look, this is your last day. I'm going to fire you. What? You've been doing a good job by your own uh, measure, but not by ours. And people get bitter and they get angry and they start throwing stuff. But you've got to understand that God it was a part of that. And what we have to do is we, have to begin to, we need to cry out to God and say, okay, God, what are you doing in me? And a lot of times, you know what I've found as an employer and as an employee and talking to many business people, I mean lots of business people, you know what it often comes down to? Respect. Respect for authority. And I found that even just a little bit of yes, sir, got so many doors open. And you may just say, I, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, some of you. Maybe because maybe you think it was just because of privilege. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I loved watching unlock the heart of, of even evil men when they come up and try to tell me to do something. And I say, yes, sir. And they just look at me like, well, I wasn't expecting that. No, I, I'm, you know, I honor position. I honor what is going on in you and what, and, and, and if somebody else thought it was important for you to get this position, I've got to honor that before God. Now, are they corrupt? Some of them are. And how do we deal with that? Ah, biblical. There's biblical solutions for that too. Church, Hebrews 13, 17 says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work may be a joy. Man, make it easy for me. Can you help me out? Please. Not a burden. So that would be no benefit to you. And a lot of times pastors feel very, very helpless because the culture is so overwhelmed them. They don't, I mean, the whole idea of discipline is just like out the window. But you find it right there in Scripture. Those who obey God by staying under authority are going to be blessed. How? Well, there's four quick things I want to give you today. What is the purpose of authority? Ultimately, it's blessing. It's blessing. But if we see authority as just in our way, as, as corrupt and evil, and as a tool of the devil, then you're not reading the Bible. You're not reading the Bible. Okay? But let's look at the purposes for authority. And you may just say, well, you mean for Christian authority? No, 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 for any authority. Because we already read Romans chapter 13, didn't we? So now we're going to take 13 and we're going to apply it to what I'm going to share with you. Number one, protection. Authority is there is to protect us, to prevent consequences of our own short-sightedness. We think we know it all. We don't. And sometimes the authorities that God places in our life have a unique perspective. Oh, I can go on. I mean, I could really teach this in a series, but I, mean, I could go on and on with historical examples, personal examples of how this is so true that a lot of times our authorities will have an ability to see things that we just can't because of our burdens, because of our focus, because of how we live and what our responsibilities are, pure and simple. Adam would have been fine, but he stepped out from God's covering, didn't he? And we do the same. It's simple, but it's true. A couple of no analogies I have written in the note. It's about the kid who crosses the road and you tell him, no, don't do it. Stop. He's like, why should I stop? I'm going on. Next thing you know, he's flattened in the middle of the road. Because what does the person see? They see that there's danger on the highway. 
of, and I know this is a very simple, simple analogy, but it's so very true in our life that sometimes somebody will tell us no or they'll say, be, be careful. It's because they see something we can't see. Maybe ignore financial ca- ca- cautions. You know, we have the, uh, uh, what, what's the name of the financial series we do? No, um, well, that's the, say it again. Financial peace. Absolutely, and, and that is some place where we need to go, we need to learn, because there are so many uh, places where we can really hurt ourselves when it comes to finances. The Bible teaches us about these wonderful things, and yet a lot of times Christians, we ignore that, and the, authority, the authorities in our life are trying to tell us, you know, don't do that, don't get yourself into debt there, or don't buy that, that or, you know, uh, a lot of times what we do is we want something now, and we punish her and hurt ourselves when it's something that God wants us to have, but just maybe a lot later a lot later because we learn discipline and a lot of times authorities will speak into our life and say you know are you sure you know or we have that thought of well it'll be different with me Uh no it won't satan has access to believers when they step out from his appointed authority if you can imagine for a minute an umbrella an umbrella and what it provides or a, a, a roof and what it provides, it, it provides protection against the elements. And when the elements and the rain and the, the hail comes down, if you're up underneath that, then you're protected from what that provides. It's very much a picture of life. The moment we step out from under authority, we then get the full impact of what this life and this world brings in all of it. The truth is the enemy is out to destroy every single human being. And we've got to run for cover. And, when we, and how are some of the ways we run under cover? We get under the covering of God. And we get under the covering of God's appointed authorities for our life. And we come up underneath that. As parents, we can all see that, don't we? Son, listen to me and you'll be fine. We, we get it. But not, sometimes as adults, we don't. And the sad truth is, your children will act out what they see in you. And if you, dis, if you walk out into a, and treat uh, with, and, and disrespect authority... Man, that's going to come back to bite you. Because one day, you're that authority. You're the man. You're the woman. You're the one in the way. And if all they see coming out of your mouth is disrespect, don't you think they're going to turn right around and use it on you? Oh, you bet. Protection. So we need authority because we can't see it all. Provision. Another reason for authority. Provision. To help guide us toward the most fruitful outcomes. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Notice that that is that that provision comes as a result of being submitted to who? Submitted to God, and not just paying homage to God, but submitted to God, saying everything. Which is why tithing is so important, because we understand where our provision comes from. We're not paying God off. We're not doing all this. Don't get caught up in there. But when you honor God with the first fruit of your wealth, when you honor God, when it comes to your provision in life, God will take care of you. And those who know this powerful truth, you can say amen, can't you? We know it. Scripture says the boundaries have fallen in pleasant places for us. Notice boundaries. You mean there are boundaries? Oh, yeah. There are places we're not supposed to go in our life. We, we talked about as far as protection, but also provision. A lot of times we go out seeking our own provision and we go pressing God to get things that we want when God says, not yet. And we, 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 we learn 
something. We, we push past the authority of God. We push past the, the people in our life. And we begin to make, not only as we, we go from God being our provider to Visa being our provider. We go from God being our provider to individuals or humans or even ourselves, all of which is not biblical. Bible, we talk about being content with God's provision. And that's why that can be so devastating. Greed will lead us into taking matters into our own hands and miss God's plans. Wisdom and character come from trusting God with all things. That's where it is. And greed is not only a sin, but idolatry, because wealth and the pursuit of it becomes our God. Now, can I mention, can I show you, remind you what, what Samuel told King Saul? He says, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. No, that's Romans 13. Sorry, i got to keep going. Samuel said, has the Lord not delight in burnt offerings? He goes on, he says, for rebellion is as a sin of divination, witchcraft. And insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. See, when we move out from listening to God, we, we're, not, we're not our own, we'll never be our own agent. We will fall right into the trap of the enemy, become his servant what he bids us to do and the whole time thinking we're free not so if you want the devil to provide for you that's not going to go well okay (laughs) greed is not only a sin but idolatry because wealth and the pursuit of it becomes our god you see it also provides direction when we get under authority of god and the authority that god's provided for us to provide wisdom that, that often cannot be gained in any other way. Counsel, good counsel. You know, people pay a lot of money to get good counsel when, my, my gosh, God has provided the handbook for life for five bucks. Maybe in free if you go to the Salvation Army. They'll give you one Bible for crying out loud. And there it is. All the truth you'll ever need to change your life. So, Wisdom that comes from God is direction for a life. You know, there's a lot of that. You know, some Michael Phelps, you know, I hope you've been, I don't know if you've been enjoying and watching that and, and also seeing the first African-American woman win a gold medal in swimming. That was pretty awesome. Uh, and man, she was disappointed when she got the silver last night or and was just like, come on, girl, you're up there. But anyway, but you can't blame her at all. But then Michael Phelps, you know, in him talking about, you know, we all know the bad things he was doing before and how he was just distraught. But the secret is, what's really the word on the street is that Michael has found Christ. And uh, having read uh, Purpose Driven Life, he's beginning to see that being directed, when we live our own, even according to our own path, man, 20-some-odd gold medals doesn't bring happiness. You might be the greatest swimmer on the planet, which he is, and quite an inspiration. I love to swim, and so, you know, he, he motivates me. But doesn't it break your heart to think the guy was near suicide? How can that happen? Would that make such? We know the reason is without God, there's no real fulfillment, no real understanding of why you've been blessed with so many things. doesn't really matter. You can have a little bit and be very, very happy. Yeah, absolutely. When you understand you're being directed by God. Adam and Eve had a plan and a place, didn't they? They rebelled, and the moment they rebelled, they lost that, and they lost that whole part of their destiny, and it spent the rest of mankind getting it back. 
When we rebel, we lose track of God's plan and destiny for us. We lose our potential. That's what happened to him. And he first got back on track when he found Christ. We can get back on track no matter where we are because we all can wander. And the hardest, the hardest times are when authorities point out our weaknesses and we ignore those. Because see, a part of direction is an authority coming into our life and saying, look, you got great potential. I'll never forget that. Man, I would, I would, I would as a young man, I would cheat on some of my exams because I would look over the guy next to me and I'd say, look, give me the answers or I hurt you. It's pretty simple. You get that, we'll all, have, we'll all be happy. I'm the first one to finish our algebra exam. I walked up to the teacher and she's shaking her head. Shaking her head going, I know you are evil. And this should not be. And then she pulled me aside later and just said, David, you have so much potential, but you're just absolutely hurting yourself. She said, you're getting, you're getting over easy. I know what you're doing. She said, but you are absolutely destroying your life. I'll never forget it. Here I am telling you at 53. It struck me. But it was only not until Christ and I understood the power of authority and those people coming into my life and pointing out my weaknesses, helping me take the next steps that were critical to my future. Because even when I came to Christ and I came down to Fayetteville at the age of 19 years old, getting ready to basically you know, kick butt, take names, and tell them all how to do ministry, I went right to the bottom of the barrel and was told to sweep floors. And that was exactly what needed to happen to me. Because then I started opening my heart to, to men in my life who could help direct me, let them have access to my life to be my authority. It gave me wonderful wisdom. Discipline is the last one. To correct the pathway in such a way as, uh, uh, in such a way as the consequences. That whole sentence doesn't make sense, so just ignore it. All right? Sorry. I'm looking at it going... I don't even know what it means. All right. But discipline. Romans 13 reminds us of this. That when we disobey or we buck against authority, there is going to be discipline. And discipline is a fact of life. Hebrews tells us to endure all hardship is discipline. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he chastises everyone he receives as a son. Endure suffering, or daughter, endure suffering as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you do not experience discipline like everyone else, then you are an illegitimate child and not a true son. Wow, hard stuff, isn't it? But biblical, right here, for us to see. When we go through discipline, or when we go through difficulty in our life, we don't need to look at that initially just like, well, man, I got a bad deal, or that I'm angry at God, he doesn't like me. We need to say, okay, God, what are you doing? Again, it's an opportunity. God loves me, and he's withdrawn his favor a little bit for a reason. What's going on? What's going on? Am I, am I not acknowledging you? Have I not been giving you enough of my life? And a lot of times that's what it comes down to. God just saying, look, I've been trying to get your attention. This is not the direction I want you to go. There was a signpost back there that said turn right, and you didn't turn right. So now you're out in the middle of the desert, and you're wondering how you got here. It's painful. It's hurting you, and you're now beginning to wonder. And I, I was there the whole time trying to get your attention. Well, how'd you do that? Well, pastor preached on a sermon just the week before. Ouch. Or you were driving down the road, and pastor so-and-so was on the radio where a commercial came up, and, and, and you felt the revelatory. I mean, we all know when truth is hitting us, don't we? Ooh, you can just feel it. 
and you're going, oh, God is speaking to me. God is speaking to me. Your devotions. You read a verse that just is like hits you upside the forehead. You're reading it. You're reading it. I was like, what was that? It's truth that just the Holy Spirit is saying, trying to get to you, want to bring direction. So God quickly brings discipline. And, of course, with Adam and Eve, he brought discipline and brought order. He did not abandon them. He provided skins to cover them. And it wasn't so much the animal sacrifices and the skins, but the fact that God provided them. When we don't listen to God through our authorities, we miss God's plan, and then discipline helps us get back on course, hopefully. And that's what discipline is for, by the way, not to just make us suffer. It's to cause us to do what? Change. Matthew 18, it's found there. So what should we do if our authority and is, was dishonorable? You know, you can read this. and I'm going to go over this. I'm out of time. But in most cases, God can still speak through any authority, evil or righteous. I had a young friend. I'm going to finish with this story. A young friend who came to me. He wanted to go into the ministry. He was 17, 18-year-old. And Andrea knows who this is. He came to my house every Wednesday morning. We prayed about his life. We prayed about his life. I was so excited because I wanted to see him go into ministry. That was what I saw over him. I said, man, you are called, brother, and he went home to his dad, who was a sergeant major, alcoholic, retired, mean as a junkyard dog. I met him, and he scared me. And he went on home, and he told his dad, Dad, guess what? I want to go into the ministry. And his dad said, blank, no. You are called to be, you're a teacher, son. You're a teacher. That's what I see on you. So he came, and he goes, Pastor David, he's, he's not going to pay for me going to the ministry. He doesn't think I'm, he says, I, he said I'm supposed to be a teacher. And so we prayed, and I knew God was speaking through a drunken smadge. That's what they call these guys. And I said, Ron, I said, it breaks my heart to tell you this, but he trumps me. He's your dad. He's speaking, God is speaking to you through him. And I remember he, he teared up, and we continued to pray, and we prayed him through. Well, so he went on to UNC, became a teacher hard for him, struggled through it all the way. And he, he always used to always say that, yeah, one day, Pastor Dave, one, pa one day I'm going to be in ministry. I want to be with you, and we're going to do this together. I remember him telling me that, and I remember just saying, amen, brother. Well, he went on to be a teacher, and several times won not only state awards, but national awards. Because he was one of the greatest teachers that you'll meet. He loved the kids. When he taught history, he, he worked the Bible in there. He was doing ministry. And, you, and I remember, I'll, I'll never forget when he got married. Now, you listen to what I'm telling you, because this is so absolutely picturesque. It's so critical to our understanding. I was at his wedding, and Andrew, you were sitting right there. And he was right there across me, and I remember just telling him, you know, how so proud I was of him, and he was doing well, and he got given us this beautiful young lady as his wife, and, and his dad stood, stood up to give his toast, drunk as a skunk. Broke, broke my heart, but you know what? And I was afraid, because I didn't know what he was going to say. I was like, oh, Lord. I remember putting my head down, and just, I remember just praying, Lord, please. And he stands up, and he goes, you know, Ron... He told me we wanted to go into the ministry. And I'm like, oh, okay, here it comes. And he goes, and I said, no. I said, no, you need to be a teacher. And he went on to be a teacher, and he's a good one. And he said, but I want to tell everybody here right now, and I want to tell you, Ron, 
You go ahead and just be whatever you want to be. Because, and then kind of describing, he was kind of stumbling over his words, and I began to weep right there. Because here was this man who had no idea what blessing was about, who had no idea what a spiritual authority was, who had absolutely no, he was drunk, and God was still speaking over him to give his son a blessing and to recognize the purpose and destiny of God over his life. And I just blew me away. I mean, just, I mean it was like, pff, mind blown. Because I saw the spiritual principle taking place right in front of our eyes as he honored his drunken dad. When his dad took his last breaths as a result of cancer from drinking all those many years, there was love. He could look at his dad in the eye and say, Dad, I honored you even though you were a really stinking dad, not the best. And you, you listen to this story, and I know what you're thinking, that it's hard, that, it's, that, that, that this is ridiculous kind of thought. But I'm telling you, this is life-changing stuff. Ron is in ministry now, by the way. He retired as a teacher. He is the dean of Grace College of Divinity. And... He meets with me, you know, we get together and I pray and we get together and he's just, I just look at him and I laugh because he's such an example of powerful truths. Jamie knows who he, who is he, who he is. When the time is to appeal, there's going to be times when the authority of your life, you just, you just inside you know they're asking you to do something. And, and John, Ron did all this, but there's a time when you need to appeal and you need to do it in the right timing, with the right attitude, we're the right alternative, but a lot of times we disrespect our authority and don't even give him a chance. Because there's another part of this story, by the way. My dad also did not want me to go into the ministry. So what am I doing up here? Well, what I did is I went to my dad and I said, Dad, God spoke to me. I said, but I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. You want me to go to play football? I'll go play football. You want me to do this? I'll do whatever you want. But I want you to know, Dad, that this is what God has called me to do. He sat on that for a while, and then one day he called me, and he said, David, you know what? You're supposed to do this. You know what I found out later? That my dad actually had a call to ministry on his life years and years ago, and it was ripped from him when he was in the Navy. They told him that he was an idiot, and he should never, and he threw his Bible in the trash can. And when he came home, his pastor laughed at him, and he rejected God for the rest of his life. And I didn't realize that I had touched on such a real kernel in his heart, a broken place. So that before he died, he was able to look at me with tears in his eyes and say, son, I'm proud of you because you took the mantle that I rejected. Now, is that not the coolest daggone thing you've ever heard? Those are the kind of miracles that want, God wants to do through broken people. Those are the kind of things that are under the waterline, things we cannot see, things I would have never seen, but wouldn't it have been a broken situation that if I had rebelled him, rejected him, and not listened to anything and said, you're, you're nothing, that, that the, the, the blessing that could have been there was completely forfeited. How much does God want to do? Oh, man, so much. Go ahead and look at the notes, look at them. Too much for us to, to, to really uh, cogitate today.